We're continuing in our series out of uh, the book of Acts, Becoming the Church, Stories of the First Jesus People. We're in chapter 3 and 4 today. And if you haven't been able to be a part of uh, the series, I really encourage you to go back because each, it, it builds, you know, and uh, kind of stands on the shoulders of what, what we're learning and, and appreciating as we, as we move through uh, the book of Acts. Last week we looked at ch- chapter 3 and 4. I'd, I actually thought I could get us all the way through it, but we only got really through the first point. If you have your bulletin, there are some notes in there that will give you kind of the basic framework if you'd like to, to, uh, to take notes. But um, it begins with the main point. In Jesus' name, Jesus' people present Jesus to people. <laughs> In Jesus' name, Jesus' people present Jesus to people. And that really puts the focus on Jesus' name. That's what we see in chapter 3 and 4 above all, is that it's all about Jesus. And they use his name. And as we find in chapter 3 and 4, and it's kind of laid out for you in these notes, that it kind of in answer to question, how is it Jesus' people work miracles? How is it Jesus' people work miracles? Well, the answer is there's power in Jesus' name. They never lose sight of the fact that there's power in Jesus' name. Not in my name, not in your name. It's in Jesus' name, so they give great emphasis to Jesus' And today we're going to look at how it is that people oppose Jesus' people. How is it that people oppose Jesus' people? Well, there's priority in Jesus' name. And when we give first place to Jesus, that makes Him the focus of opposition. And we'll see that in chapter 4. And then, how is it Jesus' people brave threats or brave that opposition well there's principle in Jesus name and I just wanted to walk you through it I didn't do it that way in the first uh, service at nine but I wanted to walk us through it so that we would see clearly that this message is all about Jesus this message is all about Jesus Because the Jesus people were Jesus people because it was all about Jesus. And when they were in the midst of living their lives, what they were doing, what what made them the subject of sacred history, sacred scripture, the book of Acts, and what we're looking at today is the fact that it was all about Jesus. There's a message in that for us. There's a reminder in that for us. Sometimes, of course, the idea of power in someone's name, as we see at the very outset, seems foreign to us. Let's take a moment. I want to look at some scripture here in Acts 3 and 4. I won't read all of chapter 3 and 4, but I want to encourage you. Some of you are reading Acts daily and on a regular basis. Please be doing that. And and I encourage you to read chapter 3 and 4 for yourselves if you haven't. And if you have... Read it again and reflect upon it. 
One day, Peter and John were going up to the temple. We're starting at verse 1 of chapter 3. They were going up to the temple at the time of prayer. Peter and John were devoted Jews. The temple was the place of worship every day, twice a day. There was prayer in the temple that coincided with the offering of sacrifices. This was the second prayer time at 3 p.m. And they were going up through the gate beautiful. When you entered from the east, the Mount of Olives was behind you. And you entered the gate and you could see the temple, the, the courts leading up to the Holy of Holies. And it was through this gate so heavily traveled as people came in to pray. These are devoted people. They're putting God first. And it was at this busy location at this time that there was a man. Let's continue reading. A man crippled from birth, birth, verse 2, was being carried to the temple gate called Beautiful where he was put every day to beg from those going into the temple courts. When he saw Peter and John about to enter, he didn't know who they were, but he saw them and he asked them for money. Peter looked straight at him, as did John. How often do we look at someone that we're passing who's asking us for some money? Sometimes we look away like we don't even see them. And Peter and John looked right at him. So the man gave them his attention. In fact, Peter and John, verse 4, said, look at us. So the man gave them his attention, expecting to get something from them. Peter said, silver or gold I do not have, but what I have I give you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, don't miss, in the name of Jesus Messiah. The name Christ is not a personal name. It's not like John Venema. <laughs> it's not like Jesus Christ. It's Jesus is Messiah. That's why the name Messiah is appended to the name Jesus. Lots of people were named Jesus. Lots of people. There were high priests named Jesus. It's a great name. It, it means it means the Lord, or Yahweh, saves. But Jesus fills the name like no other. And because He does, He is Messiah. And so Peter says, I don't have any money, but here's what I've got, and I'm going to give it to you. He doesn't say, in the name of Jesus Christ I command you. He says, in the name of Jesus, the Messiah, get up and walk around. He doesn't say in my name, in my command, or even in my command in Jesus' name. He offers him the opportunity to put his faith in Jesus, the Messiah, to get up 
and walk around. And then Peter, who is full of faith himself, or he wouldn't have offered that opportunity, extends his hand to the man, and he starts to raise the man up. And the man obviously believes, so he starts to get up, and his ankles are strengthened instantly. The man's feet and ankles became strong. Verse 9, he jumped to his feet and began to walk. And then he went with them into the temple courts, walking and jumping. His entire life, he had never been in the temple precincts. At best, placed at the gate. Never himself to go in and worship. Never to go in amongst God's people. How precious it must have been to him to enter and join the throngs going into worship to which he was never allowed. And now he enters on his own two feet. And he's walking and jumping and praising God. Don't mention that. Don't miss that because we want to mention that. And when all the people saw him walking and praising God, they recognized him as the man who used to sit begging at the temple gate called Beautiful. And they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to him. They didn't know. They didn't know what had happened. They knew something happened. It was an amazing thing. But only three knew what what had happened, and that was Peter, John, and the lame man. Because only those three knew that it was the power of Jesus Christ that had raised him. Only those three knew what was going on because of faith in Jesus Christ. So here, this remarkable thing, they witness, and Peter sees them thronging around them. And while the beggar held on to Peter and John, verse 11, all the people were astonished and came running to them in the place called Solomon's Colonnade, which was just inside the wall. And inside the gate, it ran along the whole wall of the temple. When Peter saw this, he said to them, Men of Israel, why does this surprise you? And now he explains, why do you stare at us? As if by our own power, or our own piety, or godliness, or holiness, or you know, somehow by feats of our own spirituality, somehow that we're closer to God. We've made this thing happen. And you know, I I think we all somehow think that if we're just a little bit more holy, or somehow a little more righteous, or somehow we can kind of urge this whole thing on by our own efforts, either our own will or by our own closeness to God. Maybe, maybe praying more or maybe, maybe fasting more. And Peter, he just disavows all of that. He says, why are you looking at us as if we had anything to do with this? It's all Jesus. The God of Abraham, and he puts it all in contact text. This is is who Jesus is. Let me tell you about the name. Let me tell you about Jesus. He says, The God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the God of our fathers, has glorified His servant Jesus. 
glorified him. Yeah, he's exalted him. How high? Well, you dismissed him. You thought of him as a criminal. You were all a part of seeing that he was put to death, hung on a cross, as though that was what he was worthy of. But God knew his real worth. He raised him up. He's glorified him. He's exalted him. It's powerful stuff. He says, you disowned the holy, the righteous one. Verse 14, you asked that a murderer be released to you. You killed the author of life, but God raised him from the dead. We are witnesses of this. By faith in the name of Jesus, this man whom you see and know, referring to the lame man, was made strong. It is Jesus' name and the faith that comes through him that has given this complete healing to him, as you can all see. And then he goes on to talk to him more about Jesus. And when we jump over to chapter 4, verse 4, we realize at that point that Peter and John have been arrested. The temple guard come out and they want to silence them. They don't want them talking about Jesus. They don't want them teaching in Jesus' name. And in mid-sentence, their message about Jesus is interrupted. The messengers are taken away, but the message continues to have its effect. And in verse 4, we read that throngs of people, hundreds, believed in the message. The Word is literally the Word. They believed in the Word. The Word about Jesus. They believed in Jesus. And it says that men alone brought the number of those who were added to the church to 5,000. Peter and John, since it was becoming dusk, and the Jewish day begins at sunset. So, the religious leaders have Peter and John detained and taken to a holding cell. They spend the night, if you will, in jail. And on the next day, they bring them before a tribunal. Annas, who's called the high priest, but actually Caiaphas, his son-in-law, is the high priest. And Jonathan is the temple guard. Annas, by the way, had four sons that all became high priests. And his son-in-law was high priest at that time. They had really the people in their control because there was no figure higher among the Jewish people than the high priest. And they controlled the temple. They had it in their grip. And Peter and John are just unlearned men who've been with Jesus. They're talking about Jesus. They're teaching about Jesus. They're hauled off, and yet their message is powerful because the authority behind the name is Jesus, whom God has exalted. And these people believed. 
And the very work that changed that lame man's life, the very power of it, is powerful to change people's hearts and lives. There's really two miracles here. And when they bring him before the tribunal in chapter 4, verse 7, they ask them in verse 7, by what power or name did you do this? And Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said, rulers and elders of the people, if we are being called to account today for an act of kindness, isn't that interesting? Didn't call it a miracle. Didn't call it a sign. He said an act of kindness. An act of kindness or good deed to a cripple and are asked how he was healed, then know this, and you and all the people of Israel. It is by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, but whom God raised from the dead, that this man stands before you healed. And then he quotes from Psalm 118, something that Jesus himself referred to when the whole question of the temple and the authority of those that ruled in the temple comes into account. And the, the apostles, Peter and John, appeal to it here. The stone which you, the builders, rejected. In other words, Peter is saying, you who stand on the authority of this very temple in whose precincts we are now gathered, you who are a part of building this temple, it is the stone which you rejected, which causes the whole edifice to be out of whack. This stone which you, the builders, rejected is the cornerstone by which God is building His great edifice, His great work, His temple, His true temple. That's the message. And in verse 12 he says, There is no other name under heaven given among men by which we are to be or must be or can be or should be or will be saved than the name which you've rejected, Jesus Christ. That's giving him not only recognition for the power, but priority. And how do they brave such opposition? They receive that opposition. They receive those threats. Because if we read on there, they go on to threaten them and they say, look, in effect, we're good. Just you know, you can do good deeds, just don't talk about Jesus. You can, you can do good things, you can get involved civically. Just don't talk about Jesus. Don't teach about Jesus. Now get out of here. And what do they do? It says, they went back to their own. Verse 23, they went back to their own and notice they told all of them exactly what had happened. They didn't sugarcoat it. They didn't say, look, um, keep talking about Jesus. They're all good with it. No, they said, look, we need to keep talking 
but they're telling us we can't use Jesus' name. They're saying we can't teach about Him, we can't talk about Him. Otherwise, we're fine. And they all were of the same consensus. And they all went to prayer. You see, it was because of Jesus that they faced this opposition. Jesus Himself taught His disciples. He said, if men hate you, you need to know first and foremost that they don't hate you, they hate me. I'm the problem. I'm the problem. But if you name my name, and if you're a Jesus person because you name my name, and because my name who I am is Lord in your life, then you're going to face opposition. People are going to oppose you. And what do they do? They brave that opposition. They brave that opposition not by asking God, read their prayer. Not by asking God to remove the opposition, but to give them boldness. Did you notice that? In fact, the song we sang this morning, it was like they took it right out of these verses here in verse 28 and 9. They did, talking about opposition to Jesus, they did what your power and will had decided beforehand should happen. Now, Lord, consider their threats. Enable your servants to speak your word. The same word that was called a message in the NIV or New International Version. The same word that was called a message in verse 4 is here in my version translated word. But it's word. And that word in a word is Jesus. You can say any other name and people will be good with it. But you say the name of Jesus. You lift Him up. You live as though His name has power. And you live by that power. You live as though His name has priority. And you live by that priority and you're going to face opposition. And when you face opposition, we need to face it with principle just like these. Because it is by the principle of His name as it goes on, as they go on to pray and say, Stretch out your hand to heal and perform miraculous signs and wonders through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. You know, the idea that names have power is kind of foreign to us. N.T. Wright says, uh, we have some echo of the idea that names have power, even in our society, our westernized society. For example, an important person, a, a civic or business leader, or perhaps a senior politician says, just mention my name, they'll let you in. The staff went to hear Ch Francis Chan. Do any of you know Francis, Francis Chan? Not many. You know, sometimes people drop names. I know so-and-so. It only works if people know the name. <laughs> if there's some influence attached to it, some, some authority, some power. 
We all heard Francis Chan on Thursday speak three times. Boy, it was just so rich for us. Uh, Francis Chan, to me, is, is a, a man I greatly respect and look up to. I've heard him speak over the years. I have watched his life. This man is a Jesus. He's, he's, he's one of the Jesus people. He really is. And he was speaking, and there was a point at which he talked about how he grew up in Stockton, which I grew up in Modesto and Stockton, just, just right up the street. I was very familiar with Stockton. He says he grew up in, in Stockton, and he, he talked about when he was a, a senior in high school, uh, he was at a church where he was being discipled and mentored uh, by his youth pastor, and how he was so excited about being a senior at summer camp that year because now, you know, he had all the juice as a senior. He was going to be able to call the shots as a senior. He and the seniors were going to rule the, the day up there. You know, claim all the prizes, win all the challenges, that kind of thing. I, I, you, you remember, don't you, a little bit of, about what that was like. But he talked about how his youth pastor came to him and told him, you're not going to be in with the seniors. I'm going to put you in with the freshmen. You're going to room with the freshmen. And he was using it as a wonderful illustration of how, how his youth pastor really challenged him to live for Christ. He'd been training him to be a leader, to, to you know, really take the lead and, and be used of God in the lives of others to really be a disciple-maker, even as a high schooler. And now it had really come to roost, and his youth pastor challenged him. He said that was a real turning point in his life. He was scared to death. But stepping out in the name of Christ and doing things for Christ really made the power of Christ real to him. This whole idea of the Holy Spirit became real to him. But just along the way, he mentioned the name of his youth pastor, Stan Lubeck. I almost fell off my chair. Do any of you know Stan Lubeck? No, see, dropping that name means nothing. <laughs> That's right. I mean, if it has no juice, if it has no sense of influence or authority, then you know, dropping that name, it just breaks on the ground. But I know Stan Lubeck. I've known Stan Lubeck for years. It all made sense. Stan Lubeck left Great First Baptist Church in Modesto where we were both interns. He was called to the ministry at Quail Lakes Baptist Church in Stockton. It was Stan Lubeck that he was talking about. The guy that I was in ministry with. The guy that we looked to the future and we shared experiences of what God was doing in, in our lives. Never once did he mention that he discipled Francis Chan. Just two years ago, Stan was in town here in Visay. He told me he was coming. He said, hey, I'd love to get together with you. And we did. And we went out and played golf together. He never mentioned. Hey, you know what? I, I don't know if I mentioned to you, but 
I mentored, I discipled Francis Chan. Never mentioned it once. But when I stepped over to get some snacks for us at the turn between the ninth and 10th hole, when I came out, Stan was uh, witnessing to a man right there about Jesus Christ. When I was listening to Francis Chan speak, I thought, man, I wish I could talk like that. I, I'm, not, I, I'm not kidding you. I, I, I thought I could be really effective for the Lord if I could be like Francis Chan. And when he mentioned Stan Lubach, I thought, that's just like Stan. Those are people that are, are who they are, at least in my eyes. Because for them, the name above all names is Jesus. They are who they are because of the name Jesus. He's the power in their lives. And it really hit me, because I've been thinking about that. You know, when we look at ourselves, are we ever going to think that God can use us Absolutely not. If you knew how frightened I get before I come up here and speak. And I'll bet, not because of who I think I am, but I know how this works. I'll bet some of you think, well, if I was Pastor John, God could really use me. But that's not the way it works. You see, we never, we never see ourselves. We never see the miraculous things, the things of faith, the things that God wants to do through us. Whenever we start thinking about ourselves, we're elevating ourselves. We're putting our name up there. That's what we're concerned about. But it's when we put His name first and foremost. Even as we saw a couple of weeks back, the Holy Spirit really shows up when, when Christ is preeminent to us. He's prominent. The Spirit is prominent in our life when He is preeminent. Not when I'm preeminent. Not when I'm most important. And the trick is to understand that if we just put Him first, God's going to start doing things in our lives that will cause others to say, wow, I'd love to, I'd love to be like that person. Because when we're focused on ourselves, we'll never see it. We'll never think about it. We are called to bear His name. We are given a distinct privilege to bear His name. How is it Jesus' people work miracles? There's power in Jesus' name. And Jesus' people present Him. And He shows up because He is synonymous with His name. John the Baptist said, as we saw last week, he, Jesus, must increase, I must decrease. There are two miracles which I mentioned. And the, and the powerful thing is that in verse 4 of chapter 4, Luke records that the number of men swelled or grew to 5,000. Now, we already know that there was, I mean, just by, and, and Luke never 
desert, like a math problem, but we already know there was 3,120, but now to swell to 5,000, and these are men only. So that's not counting women and children. The church is on the grow. Some incredible, I mean, things are happening. God is on the move. And it all depends on Jesus, not you or me. But we lift him up. We're the believers that others see God working in and through. And they come face to face with Jesus and they can actually, because He lives, He has been exalted, He has been raised, He has been poured out in His Spirit, people can actually meet Jesus today. And you know that. You wouldn't be sitting here if it weren't true. But somewhere along the line, sometimes we forget that Word or message and deed, such as this, uh, was so powerfully presented in this lame man. See, it's woven throughout this whole thing. All of chapter 3 and 4 go back to the fact that Peter and John stopped to help a lame man. And I mentioned last week, that just seems preposterous to me. If you looked at the way churches want to grow, if you look at the way uh, businesses lay out game plans or business plans, you're not going to start this way. 5,000 added. Why? Throngs just walking right by a lame man. A guy that nobody cares about. And the whole thing takes off because they cared. Why did they care? Because Jesus cares. And through faith, this man miraculously was healed and made whole. And all they do is give credit to Jesus. And then the temple authorities come out. Haul them away. And it only causes the message, even after the messengers are removed, the message to demonstrate its power in the belief that those people exercise. And thousands are coming to Christ. Don't miss how it all began. Don't miss how we have to keep word and deed together. This last week, it was so heavy on my heart. And I get, in, you know, on my email, um, things from Christianity Today, leadership, journal, articles and stuff. And this one caught my, caught my eye. St. Francis of Assisi was wrong. I thought, wrong? I, I kind of like St. Francis of Assisi. What, what's wrong? Then it, after you open it and start reading, you get the, you know, it was a hook. And the rest of the story was uh, at least the quote attributed to him is wrong. And that quote is this, preach the gospel, use, use words if necessary. He said, that's wrong. Now, I know what he's trying to get at. But let me tell you, Drew Dyke, who's the managing editor of Leadership Journal, shared in this message out of his heart, he said, my own church is an example, and he's not the pastor of his church, his own pastor. You know, they were discussing this. For four years, they have served the community even, and this took my breath away, even swapping every fourth Sunday worship gathering to rake lawns and feed the homeless. So in other words, uh, next week we're not going to meet here. Uh, we're going to meet and rake leaves and feed the poor. And they did that every fourth Sunday. 
Now that's acknowledging the lame man. But notice what he says. He said, in that four years, he said, we've seen few come to Christ. And the pastor said, we haven't baptized anyone in two years. He himself said, we've got to remember how crucial it is to communicate the gospel with both actions and words. In other words, we have to proclaim Jesus. Jesus is the power. We have to present Jesus to people and people to Jesus. It's amazing. We're not going to raise anybody's ire. We're not going to be a problem. We're not going to change the world at all. And sometimes I think that we as a church, we can be churchgoers, but sometimes I think, I think Jesus has been left out of the whole thing somewhere along the way. We're not Jesus people just by being churchgoers, and I count myself there. Acts has really hit me between the eyes. Sometimes we can just be doing the American church thing. And we've stopped talking to people about Jesus. We don't think he, there's power in His name. We don't think there's priority in His name. At least not enough to mention His name or to say it's because of Jesus. We do, out, we do our civic stuff, but we don't say it's because of Jesus. And maybe we're doing the civic stuff not because of Jesus, but because of some other reason. I think sometimes the church is all about trying to save a way of life. Rather than to live a way of life that changes the world. I told Shelly, just see, we were talking about it. She was out of town for a day, but we talked last night. I said, you know, I am really ashamed of this. But we've lived in this neighborhood 10 years. And we've been friendly to the neighbors and tried to do things. But I said, we've not had one neighbor into our household for dinner. We're going to change that. Some of you are better at this than me. But I'm just trying to tell you, I don't want to be a pastor. I don't want to be a churchgoer. I want to be numbered among the Jesus people. Back in the 60s, back in the summer of love, I didn't know Jesus Christ as my personal Lord and Savior. We used to have a saying. We'd go, hey man, are you smoking what you're selling? Forgive the analogy to a former life. <laughs> that really hit me. You know, John, are you smoking what you're selling? You know what I'm saying? Are you peddling something that you yourself don't use? I don't want to be that way. When I became a Christian, we used to meet in the park, church in the park. Sometimes we'd say, 
What are you high on, man? And the answer was, I'm high on Jesus. Ah, that was a long time ago, huh? Crazy time. Sounds a little corny now. But I got to tell you, if Jesus had... If Jesus had been a contemporary and Peter had been in that park, I have no doubt that he would have exclaimed, I'm high on Jesus. And if I'm not blowing Jesus in your face, I might as well run for president. Or get rich so I can give a lame man some silver and some gold. But since I'm high on Jesus, what I do have, I give to you. In the name of Jesus the Messiah, the Nazarene, get up and walk around. Jesus is the power. He is the priority. And He is the principle. When we were listening to Francis Chan, he said uh, they had a question and answer time after every, every message. And uh, he, you know, they'd just sit in a chair and they'd, the lady would come up and ask them questions and they were, people were texting their questions in because everything was wired or Wi-Fi wired. And uh, one of the questions was, how can we pray for you? And he said, uh, well, you pray for boldness. I've been thinking about that. He really emphasized it. He, in fact, he went to this very passage of Scripture where they prayed that they might speak the Word with boldness. And he elaborated. But I've been thinking about boldness. Where does courage come from? Anybody who really understands courage will say, if you are courageous, you're still afraid. In other words, if you're waiting for the feeling of boldness or the feeling of power to come upon you, you're going to be waiting a long time. What creates boldness and courage is knowing what's right and doing it. And for me, as a believer in Jesus Christ, because He is the power and He is the priority, then even though I'm afraid to sometimes get up here and speak or feel like, Lord, what have I got to say on your behalf or in your name? I still do it because it's right. After the last service, a, a gentleman came forward. He, he, he came for the first Sunday last Sunday and was here again and wanted me to pray for his sister. She's uh, in, in very, very poor health at a, at a hospital in Fresno. And he said, uh, I led her to Jesus Christ yesterday. I said, were you frightened? <laughs> he says, I can't even tell you how scared I was. I mean, just rubber-legged. Hard to even get the words out. And did you? He said, yeah, and she received Jesus Christ. See, the power isn't in us. Today or tomorrow, you might be entering the gate called beautiful at the time of prayer. You might be routinely on your way to work or at school, in the courtyard, with your lunch in hand or in the cafeteria or anywhere you might be. 
And there might even be somebody who's been there so many times before, like my neighbors. And God will tug at your heart. And he'll say, it's about me. All that has been done in your life, it's about me. Share that. Share the miracles. Share the life. Share the abundance. Share the blessing. Share the peace. Share the hope. Share the joy. It's in my name. It's not in you. And you're not going to be overwhelmed with power in the sense of boldness and courage. Just step out in faith. Trust the very name that you're going to use. I'll be there for you. And they'll see me at work, not you. That's why Paul always said, not in my strength, it's in his. When I am weak, he is strong. Will you stand with me? As I pray, um, I want to remind you, at the, after, uh, after we say amen, if God's put something on your heart and you'd like to pray with me or pastoral staff, whoops, power's not in me, it's in my microphone. If you'd like to come um, for prayer, it'd be sweet to pray with you. You can pray right where you're at. God hears you, He knows you. You don't have to come and pray with us, but if, if you want to lift something up, it might be about a lame man in your life. Maybe you're the lame man this morning. Come to Jesus. Bring it to Him. Trust in Him. Let's pray together. Gracious Heavenly Father, thank You for Your Son, Jesus Christ. There is no other name. We know that. May Your presence lead and guide us. May we trust Your prompting and you're leading and step out in faith and exercise boldness because you are the power and the priority and the principle of our lives. In Jesus' name we pray and all of God's people said, Amen. This has been a production of Grace Community Church of Visalia. For more information, go to our website at www.gccvisalia.org or for more sermons, go to gccvisalia.org slash podcast.